We're recording in the middle of the street today, which is something that we've never done. I know before. it's strange, right? And uh, particularly so, since it's about to rain. Yeah. Car. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Is that on. what your job is today? Mark is truck. Yeah. Mark's not. Yeah. Mark's just calling out vehicles. That's his only. His only use. I, I never participated in this when I was a kid, but, but anybody, I, it wasn't like if you had a stickball game in the middle of the street, didn't, wasn't there one kid always appointed to be like, car? Well, yeah, like no, you'd I play stickball so. and then uh, somewhere a fire hydrant would go off. Yeah, see, there wasn't a lot of stickball in Kerrville, Texas. And there'd be like, like a doo-wop band around a, you know, flaming can. Billy Joel. Yeah. Billy Joel just oil can. barrel. Yeah. Yeah. That old thing, yeah, that that always happened in Cypress, Texas. Yeah, yeah, I love totally. how you just rolled up all of like the seventies poor child stereotypes from New York in one, <laughs> like from from like from the winter to the summer. You know? Yeah, well, and then the eighties came and it rained on all the drummers. So like we all know, yes, we all know what happened. We um, hang out on our stoop sometimes too. Yes, yes. There's hopscotch. I'm pretty sure there's some double dutch oh, uh, jump yeah. rope. That yeah. actually happens. Um, None so, of the rest of it ever had happened. Well, the 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 stoop stuff does. Um, so we are back in Mark's garage. So welcome, welcome everybody back to. Mark's I'm going to start garage. putting that on the little write ups that I do. For, you know, for for each like this week, which garage? It'll, it'll be like it'll be like a fancy sticker, like splashy sticker, like <laughs> yeah. Mark's garage, Kevin's, Kevin's garage. garage. Yeah, exactly. I like it. It's got legs. Mm-hmm. All right, who are we? Uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. Chain. And I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Yes, yes, Shane. No, I'm just laughing about what you're saying. Coming out. Well, right. well, I want the world to know. <laughs> Do you, well, you know, that was Kevin. Like, I think we we went through a we did a, probably a solid fifty episodes where that was a part well, of that everyone. Was ever, that was his weekly joke. Yes, yeah. yeah. It took a long time for that to get old. Right. Yeah, they're like they're like well, still not I, funny. It didn't really take a long time for it to get old. It just, no, uh, yeah. Took a long time <laughs> okay. for us to, to get him to stop it doing was, it. It was old at the beginning. That's Mark's right. Yeah, so that's all that's totally fair. Um, what's going on in the world? Well, keeping up with, and I hate to do this because it, it's going to take us back to what we were just uh, ch- chiding ourselves about a, a couple of weeks ago, but it needs to be pointed out because I just brought him up last time we recorded a show, but that's we lost Merle Haggard last week. And that's this is this week's um, world report of which actor slash musician has died recently. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't. Think of anybody off the top of my head. Might just Merle uh, Haggard did. Too. Well, yeah, last we week. That. Well, I know, but we were just talking about him. Oh, wait, we we've not been on the air since mm. since that happened. No. Okay. No. Well, no, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Not to bring it back down to the the, the morbid festival again or anything, but we last time we like were our to- weekly segment. You know, I know that's what I'm saying. Deaths. I'm yeah. trying to get rid of it, but I have to bring it up. Last time we recorded, I was talking about how I had seen Willie Nelson for the first time, and then the last, co- and it's a good thing I caught him because. You know, like Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and pretty soon it's going to be him or Merle Haggard, and then fucking the next week it well, was You Merle and I Haggard. saw Johnny Cash back in the day. That's true, we yeah. did. That was before oh, before he was, like, kind of 
That was like more the, grizzled. It was like the semi younger version of. It Johnny was like Cash. his comeback year. That was the year he did that that record with Rick Rubin, that first Cash record or whatever. Yeah, but he didn't sound like he was on the deathbed at this point. No, 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 no. But that I mean, but that's when he, that was like his third act or whatever. But no, he didn't, and that was a great show. But the weird thing it about it was, we saw him at a um, relatively full Irwin Center, which those of you that don't live in Austin, it's the... It's a basketball arena. It's a basketball arena, right, and that's where they have the big shows. And it seats probably, what, 12K, something like that? I think like, it's... More than that, I It's think. more than that, but they, what, what they usually do for concerts, they split it in half. I think yeah. it's about 40,000. I saw the Beastie Boys. Not 40,000. Right. No, I think total, the whole thing, I think is like thirty five or 40,000. That sounds high. Okay, maybe it is uh, a little high. But, but, I mean, when they, but they split it in half for, the, for concerts. Who's high? Uh, lots of people right now. Oh, not okay. not me, but, right. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, wasn't Kevin talking about Gary Shandling the week before? Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm so saying. Right. This yeah, is yeah. every week okay, so now. We, we need to not talk about any famous people. About any famous people. <laughs> okay, exactly. I don't know, and that's why I, I I just I I fought this, and whether I should or not, but I just I felt like I needed to to mention it. And reading a lot about him, one of the I, I, there were a lot of interesting contradictory things about this guy. I highly recommend. I have never read a more colorful Wikipedia page. I mean, there's some funny ass quotes on dude, there. Dude had a full life, and they don't shy away from language. Oh, he calls uh, he calls people pussies in it. I mean, he like is, and this is on his official Wikipedia page. But he was talking about Okie from Muskogee, and uh, like the year after that song was recorded, he was like, "Oh, these dirty hippies," blah blah blah. And then in 2003, he's like, "Yeah, I was dumb as a rock back then." Uh, I've, and then basically, it was intimated that he had discovered marijuana since then. <laughs> His, well, he'd really his were buddies, right? Changed. He'd really were buddies, I think, right? I, yeah, but he was like in his mid or late forties when he started smoking marijuana or something like. I don't know, but yes, they were Never too they, late. They were buddies, I guess. So, if you're into that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I'm 43 and I, I smoked some weed probably a month ago and it still didn't take. Yeah, right. Yeah, I see. I get Once that. Once or twice a year, I give it a shot. I think it, maybe it's going to happen. You don't want none of this. <laughs> <laughs> So, speaking of, so there's many more. So, uh, uh, Merle Haggard, rest in peace. And we'll, I'll try to keep that the last dead person we'll discuss, recently deceased person we'll discuss on the show in a little while. But keeping, I don't, I it's don't not believe like you. we're killing them. Like no, I know, I know, but it's <laughs> they're dying independently. I just, I, I don't well, know it's, that. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. podnip. I, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to not talk about it. it I is. know, but yeah. it's just sort of become like how we have three recognizable, like, real segments in this show. Well, this one's become like the unofficial fourth segment where we discuss, like, someone's timely or untimely passing. So The, the Abe Vigoda segment. The Egg Vigoda segment, as yeah, it were. Right. Brought to you by Abe Vigoda. <laughs> <Yeah>. So speak, <laughs> speaking of drugs, and this, uh, the, um, so uh, there are a few people that every so often I feel like we need to regularly address. I only know three things about what you're about to say. One is Father John Misty, one of them is LSD, and the other is Taylor Swift. Does that not all fit together? Well, the three people that we that we often discuss that we check on with regularly: Scott Stapp, Morrissey, and Father John Misty, because all three of them are doing something off the fucking wall at any god given point. So I guess last weekend, or I don't know if it was last weekend or not, but recently. He went. Father John Misty uh, attended a Taylor Swift concert, and um, he uh, told whichever magazine. I guess it was this is, yeah, article's an enemy. Anyway, it, it's irrelevant. Um, and he goes, "The last time I took a hero's dose of LSD was at a Taylor Swift concert in Australia. Um, I got my tour manager to get me some acid. This is written in the stars. I'm supposed to go take acid at this Taylor Swift concert. I experienced the show like an eight-year-old girl." as much as that's possible for a 35-year-old man. It was holy. It was psychedelic. 
She fully impregnated my dilated soul with her ideology. I remember <laughs> laughing uncontrollably. I remember going outside for a smoke and thinking, I need to get back in there. <laughs> Jay Tillman, good, once again. Good God. That guy's a quote machine. But yeah, he, but never the, boring. Th- he's never boring, but not only that, he's put out two of the best records of the decade. So... Who knows with that one? He's something. Hey, oh, speaking of him, well, we're, well, another guy we talk about a lot is Morrissey. There's about to be a Morrissey, um, I guess it's a Morrissey biopic. Oh, did is you, that, by the way, and don't forget, we're talking about the Morrissey biopic, but there was a Smith's Twitter handle, an official Smith's Twitter handle that went up this past, like this past week or a week and a half ago, and uh, somebody asked Morrissey about it, and I guess it was like the label that still puts out their- EMI. Records. Yeah. Put it up and like so. There is an official EMI. I can't remember. Anyway, whatever it is, it was a rough trade back in the day. But yeah, I don't, rough I don't think trade they for, for England. But yeah. yeah. So anyway, there there is now a uh, an official Smiths Twitter handle, and somebody asked Morrissey about it, and I, you know, basically he just said, yeah, the band is not back together. But this is my favorite part. He said he also said, um, uh, you know, basically like keep an eye on it at your peril. Like, I was like, I don't think it's dangerous. <laughs> like, he's, it's not. I, I recently <laughs> read something. I, I wish he would. Death. I right, wish he yeah. would invoke drama just once in a while. Exactly. Oh, I I recently read something where he, you know, there was a lot of drama. For those of you that know anything about the Smiths or Morrissey, uh, the, the drummer and the bass player, uh, Andy Work and Mike Joyce sued Morrissey. Mar, they weren't getting paid what they felt they should have gotten paid for their performances, performance royalties. And Morrissey was not shy about saying, "No, like, you don't deserve to." No, and no, Johnny Marr basically settled. He was he got it, but Morrissey took. To, especially Mike Joyce, to, like he hates him. And then after Mike Joyce won, and the and the judge castigated Morrissey and called him a dishonest liar and all this crazy stuff, he he wrote this. Uh, I don't know if they were lyrics to us. I think they were lyrics to a song. Basically, in this song, he it's uh, you know it's implicit. It's about Mike Joyce, and he's saying like, uh, you need to sleep with one eye open at night. And somebody told Mike Joyce, he's like, and he laughed out loud. He's like, if it were. You know, insert boxer's name here. I might be worried, but it's fucking Morrissey. Morrissey? <laughs> yeah. The guy who would regularly play shows with, like, sprays of flowers Gladiola. coming out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's that's news for the week. We caught... Uh, damn it. I wish I would have gotten a... Well, oh, yeah. There is going to be a Morrissey biopic. I don't know anything about it other than it's getting cast right now. But I don't know. Have you guys heard anything about Scott Stout? No, I don't know. No, I don't know anything about that. I know there's a new Sturgill Simpson record, and at some point that will make an appearance on the have, show. Have you heard? Has you guys speaking of the new Sturgill Simpson? Have Have you heard his cover of In Bloom? That's on it. No, no, and apparently it's got a it's, lot of soul that's happening. It's in crazy, and there's horns on it and shit, but it's very good. Okay, saxophone. I don't know. I like horn sections. I like sax. In fact, I do. We'll get into this Slice right now. Like, I, I that the sax. On uh, in in jazz is something that I like, I like that pivot. So this week, we are covering a jazz. We record. are covering a jazz record for the first time. Um, the Dave Brubeck, uh, Time Out by Dave Brubeck, or what is it, the Dave Brubeck Quartet? Uh, no, there's. Well, I mean, Dave I'm just Brubeck saying it's, it's not just Dave Brubeck. Brubeck is what the I'm band saying. that Dave Brubeck. It's not led. the Dave Brubeck band, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. The Dave Brubeck Quartet. Yeah, I never knew. Of them. I never knew until we started listening to this that he's like a he's a piano player. Like yes, uh, see that's how much you know about. Th- no, and I, I will preface that- this this podcast. I don't know dick about jazz. Like I, I just I, <laughs> there's I, a bumper <laughs> sticker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. So I mean, like you may just want to tune me out. Well, we like, ended up not recording this uh, this show last week. Uh, Kevin kind of last minute couldn't do it, and I was he's like, you guys are welcome to to, to do it without me, and I was like, nope. 
I'm not gonna sit in a room <laughs> with Ryan. It's gonna be like like trying to like speak Portuguese to a dog, you know, like. Well, what do you do if you're a dog in Portugal? Well, like, those, sure those dogs probably understand a few Portuguese a, words. A few but, of them. Well, yeah, not but. many. Um, okay, so yeah, so this album, um, which is, I, I believe, it was for a long time, I believe it still is the best-selling jazz album of all time. Um, I believe it went to number it's two up there. Yeah. on the pop charts. Um, That's true. I'm a big fan of West Coast jazz from mid-50s to the early 60s a lot. I love it. I like... It's not, it's not, it's, you still get the dense playing, like great instrumentation that you do with, with East Coast jazz, but it's, it's, it's a little more accessible. It's a little more song based. Um, but I didn't love this album as much as I thought I was going to. And I really liked it. I did too. I, really I liked well, it. Well, and, and I will say that like one of the common conceits about this record, when you see it reviewed in modern day, is that it's difficult to listen to with new ears. Because it's been, it's everybody's heard it a thousand well, times. I had talked it. about that. Only the two, only the two songs, the first two, or like um, the Turk one and three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah of course, take I'd five. Pr- I'd probably heard the first one, but yeah, of course, take take five. Like, which is which is one of the best jazz songs just, ever. I mean, it, I well, mean, and I, I agree. But here's here's my take on the record. Totally didn't suck. Like. <laughs> And, right. and well, 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 you know what? No, where's no, the limb? No, no. I will take. I will. I will take. You know why? I will take that as high praise from Ryan. It kind of is as regards to jazz. Like, right. I mean, I just don't get Ryan jazz. Ryan does I, not like it's jazz. Not, it's not that I, you know, think there's something wrong with you if you're into jazz. Like I just don't get it. Like. Well, and this also it's like, like it's like a lot of it's like Jackson Pollock's drip paintings to me. Like why? Like I don't understand why you'd want to look at that and. So, so really, what you need is something that's linear with a narrative that I'd you like, can follow. I like, like something that has some organization to this it. Well, this does. does. This does. This, this does, does a lot, a lot more, more than most jazz. That's so. why I picked this, and especially like the east, like the um, east coast, the west coast jazz, cool jazz. Um, at this period of time, like I say, when a lot of it's more song based. I mean, I will listen to fucking um, some of these guys. Like if Stan gets, they give him a wax comb, and I'll fucking listen to it. I mean, the guy is lyrical. And 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 has melodic themes within what he's playing, and w- it and whereas I love a lot of of Bop from this time, um, but they they explore there's exploratory themes within solos and stuff a lot more in ways, where then and I'm not the definitive voice on jazz in any sense of the imagination. No, but you're more of a pop guy, but you do branch out. But I do appreciate a lot. I listen sure. to a lot of it. But I'm saying, but in you you know this period of time with the. You know this West Coast jazz, where you see the 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 solos serve the the overall theme. It's a little more well, composition they'll, they'll, based. Yeah, they'll have like even if it's not necessarily like a cohesive melody, they'll have like a a repeating motif within each song. Like they're actual songs. Yeah, it's it's kind of almost it's kind of almost got like I say like like when I say composition, I mean you, you can kind of kind of compare it a little more to classical music in that sense, where you have recurring motifs and and the solos serve the song. Rather than, I mean, all solos to some degree serve the song, but but rather than branching out and going well, to, like into totally new places and then coming back, where you see, you hear a lot more in the East Coast stuff from this period of time. Well, I would say that other than Take Five, I probably would never willingly like listen to this record on my own, unless I was with a girl on a date and we were in a darkened lounge. <laughs> this would be perfect, like because I don't well, I don't want to like concentrate on it, you know, like I want to have a you know, nice conversation with a cute girl and drink some whiskey or something, you know? Like, it is a cool record. Like, it sounds cool. It is a cool record. This, I'll tell you, like, 
just a uh, quick sidebar. So this is one of two records that came out in 1959, two jazz records that came out in 1959 that are considered iconic. Um, and maybe there are more, but this the, the one that this gets lumped in with a lot is um, Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. I was going to say Kind of Blue, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, which is another record that we should talk Similar about. Similar sounding. I like Kind of Blue more than this one. Yeah, Kind of Blue is an amazing record. But but um, I don't know. It, one of the things that uh, that this reminded me of is when I was years ago when I was still living in West Texas before I moved to Austin, there was a uh, there was a, a bar that I used to go to with friends and they had um, they had one of the tracks from one of the slower tracks from Kind of Blue and not really any other jazz to speak of on their uh, jukebox. So what, maybe? Or um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I have to look at the track list. But anyway, the point yeah, is, sorry. the point is that um, that we had a ritual where I would go out with my friends and then we would end up at this this bar, this same bar at the, toward the end of the night and I would put the slowest, coolest track off that record, and it just, it just chilled me out to go home and like get the the best sleep of the world. And then I came in like I don't know, I've been doing this for like three months, off and on. And uh, I came in one day, and that that record had been taken out of the jukebox. Oh, you and and they were like, you're probably bombed. They said, uh, I I said, hey, didn't you guys used to have the Miles Davis record in here? And they were like, yeah. Some guy keeps coming in and playing it late at night. He's making everybody really sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but like to that end, like I think, you know, that that record is uh is accessible and it's very it's different than this one, but I do think that one thing that they both have in common is that they're very to your point, like they're very cool and they're very listenable albums. Well, yeah, I mean, there's 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 complexity in in what was happening in these in in the cool jazz stuff. Um it's not like it's easy. It's not like it's fucking like what's that unlistenable sh- Kenny G shit like they well, call it jazz, it's but, true, yeah. like, but it's not. That's that's not well, jazz and, and at this, all. And just, the like the the horn sounds on this have like really rounded edges, right? And you hear like, that a lot. It's produced differently. Like they're not overdriving. You're not, you know, like, um, not they're not. You know, there's it, it's very different than like Stan Getz and Coltrane. You know, like the, comparing those two different, like the way that those guys. That round edges are really angular, like stuff like that. Hey, why don't we listen to? I mean. We should listen to the big hit while yeah. we're here. Oh, sure. Let's hear take five. particular with regard to take five there's a really great write-up on this record uh from a guy named chris may who writes for allaboutjazz.com who said that take five includes one of the most thrilling drum solos ever recorded a two minute and 20 second master class in percussive accentuation colorization and structure unlike the rest of timeout which was composed by brubeck the tune was written 
by alto saxophonist Paul Desmond, who said it was never supposed to be a hit. It was supposed to be a Joe Morello drum solo. Uh, Morello had joined the quartet in 1956 over Desmond's initial objection. The saxophonist was concerned that Morello's muscular style would jar with his own lyrical approach. Desmond was won over, and when the composer royalties for Take 5 started pouring in, he must have been relieved that Brubeck had stood his ground and insisted on hiring Morello. So that's really a little bit of interesting backstory. Well, in both components, the two major components of that, I love that song as much as I don't care for jazz. Like, it's the drumming and the sax, like, that's it. No, well, and that sax kind of encapsulates what I was saying a minute ago about how, like the, um, I mean, even when he like that that melody line, like even when he goes into the solo when he goes off, it's still it's very melodic, mm-hmm. um, and you see that, you know, again, it's it's kind of the, the well, the way I, I, I felt to see the anti Coltrane because Coltrane has a lot of melody in there too, but it's I wouldn't know it's um, <laughs> yeah you would the, you wouldn't want to get there. But the way I felt about this song is like it's the Smells like Teen Spirit of this record. No, I know that sounds like a weird analogy, but like, it just stands out. Like a, the first, even like I only listened to this record really like once, maybe one and a half. But like, like going through when it got to that, I just like my body just felt more relaxed and like, oh yeah, here we go. It's like, so funny, like I mean, none of this shit like even makes me remotely get like. I don't know. I just enjoy the music. At, 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 like like the. Like when we did Sinatra, you're like it's it's just crusty and musty and make and makes me want to just I don't know. Sinatra's fine. Like I probably like Sinatra more than I like you know I like crooners more than I like you know like jazz instrumental jazz instrumental right, jazz. Right. I, that's just always going to be the case. Like the I don't know. Well, this I think this was an easy one to hand up. There there's it's funny we I, we were kind of talking about this in the break a little bit, but when this album was released. It was not beloved by critics at all. No. And, and if you go on Dave Brubeck's website, I think it's like DaveBrubeckJazz.com or something like that, that you can read an excerpt from a review from 1960, and the guy just excoriates them and just completely insults Brubeck the whole time. It insult, insults the whole band. But then the one song he liked is the only song on this record I don't like, which is the second one. It's like, what is it, Metal Arc Blues? Or um, it, uh, it essentially... Strange Metal Arc. Yeah, Strange, strange Metal Arc. To me, that song sounds like fucking Mr. Rogers music. Is that I, the, about that guy that played for the Globetrotters? That's what I was thinking. That's what I was envisioning, yeah. by the way, when I was I, when I was. Yeah, I don't hate that it. track, but uh, I, oh, to me, but it just sounds like. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate any of this. I shouldn't say that strongly. I just it's the one I like the least, and I think a lot of the reason why is because it just straight up sounds like Mr. Rogers music to me. Like, and I can't really. I can't really get into like what I'm hearing, like, like you know, like when the trolleys do 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 do, you know that stuff. Like. Well, you you actually bring up a point that we didn't fully explore that I think is pretty interesting about this record, which is that you're right that there were a lot of of critics initially when it came out who weren't big fans of this album, and part of the reason that they were thrown by it is that all of the various time signatures that are used here that are not four four, not four four, and so uh, well, that's kind of like the whole point. Like like it's called time out for a reason. Because they use strange times. You would not think the that whole record, not as many as, but yeah. But you know, it, and I think that it's it's all the more. It feels to me like all the more the accomplishment of this band that there are a lot of unusual time signatures, and it still feels cohesive. Like well, in my opinion, I, in that review, the guy the guy says, and I'm not sure if this is the exact quote. I'm maybe paraphrasing, but it might be the exact quote. He said, it, "It's time we stop treating Jay Brubeck as a as a true as a true great jazz man." Um, and I think a lot of that is the there's an ornateness to a lot of his playing on this album that takes away from what I, I think 
you expect or they would expect a jazz. Like, you know, the the first song on here, like the Blue Rondo, like it's some weird ass, like, like really like almost Middle Eastern, you know, like Eastern European stuff that's going on in there. And that is definitely not what what like jazz critics that like to sit in the corners in the 50s and snap their fingers and stuff like that. That's not what they they wanted to hear. Well, and so. you have to imagine, too, that the critics of that day, like the 60s hadn't even come along yet, literally. So, you know, th- so they they they, Mark they, had, they had is not, laughing at they you. They had not had like they <laughs> had not had be master of the obvious. But well, I, I know, get your point. Well, the point is, is like they hadn't had convention turned on its head. And so at this point, you know. Jazz is supposed to do what jazz does, and rock and roll is supposed to do what rock and roll does, and, you know, let's all go about our business. I'm sure it's probably an oversimplification of the reality at the time, but it's the way that it feels looking at it through the modern lens. After listening to this one night, I'd had a couple drinks, and just for grins, I played something from around the same time. Uh, that's Frankie and Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, Walk oh, Like a Man. dear God. And... Uh, yeah, I think this record is cool. It's not necessarily like my, my favorite thing, but that 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 song is not cool. Okay, so um, little uh, additional little snippet from this all about jazz review. Sorry, um, says uh, this guy says despite its eventual commercial success, we talked about this a minute ago. Timeout was slow off the blocks. Columbia executives thought that Brubeck's exploration of unusual time signatures which include 5-4, and 3-4, would baffle the public, and so they did little to promote the disc. What the public proved was that they were thoroughly unbaffled and sales multiplied through word of mouth fired by the quartet's re- uh, relentless touring. Finally, a year after Time Out's release, the Take 5 single was put out, and uh, history went on from there. So well, I'll anyway. tell you what, man. Like Back in the day, uh, back in my good old French horn days, um, when I was back when I was sexy, salad um, days. Yeah. yeah, no, we had to. We played some stuff that Listen was up, like ladies. That was like five seven, and some of these like weird time signatures. And it that shit's hard. Like if you're used to like four four or the three four, or you know, which is two, mostly four. what we're used to four four and three four. Um, yeah, that's partially why. Like, it's amazing to go back and listen to how solid these drums are. I mean, this band is aw- like that's something we haven't even talked about. I mean, these players together are ridiculously talented. I well, mean, I'd be curious to, to find out how the mu- drums were mic'd. Like, it, it sounds, like, a little distant, but, it, I mean, it sounds like it, you're it, in like a in club with him. Yeah. 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 Do we want to do another one? I do. I kind of want to, um, since we, you know, since we were talking about, what you know, okay, the, the one that I, I, I want to do the first one, um, the, um, the Blue Rondo song, just because that one really shows, it starts off the album, I think it's in, like, some... It's like nine eight or some. It's in a there's w- one that's in nine eight. There's another one that's in like I don't know. Just a, after a while, I just assumed they were scores. It was like eleven to four. Yeah, right. Like, that's yeah, nice. they're baseball uh, scores. But yes. th- this one is some. This this is unlike any. T- and apparently, this is a. Con- I guess he he encountered this on a trip like to the Balkans or Turkey. It says Allah Turk in it, but um and uh and he was just this is what sort of was the genesis of this album was listening to all these players that he was saying that this. You know, here in the West, like we're really unused to hearing time signatures like this, but over there, like it was very, very similar. So, yeah, let's listen to that first track, Blue Rondo a la Turk, and uh, and talk about it.
from the Basement Tapes unreleased uh, Charlie Brown, You're a Cool Cat uh, special that they, they just, it never came out. But <laughs> the, one of my favorites. You're a Cool Cat, that, Charlie that Brown. One, you're a cool well, cat, it's Charlie funny you Brown. say that. I, I do, like, one of the other few jazz songs that I really like is Linus and Lucy. Who's the guy that? Vince Giraldi. Vince Giraldi. Like, yeah. I love that song. The. <laughs> He was his whole his output was great too. Well, and would you consider George Gershwin jazz, or is that like a jazz no, classical hybrid? Because I mean, there were moments in this the song we just listened to that kind of sounded like some of his piano was a little Gershwin. Well, a lot of that was the I mean, like Gershwin stuff. I mean, that was the pop music of the time. But I mean, Gershwin was was incorporating elements of jazz was like a very nascent thing at that time. I mean, but 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 then you would have. People like jazz musicians later would definitely borrow from those Gershwin, song, Richard Rodgers songs, Cole Porter songs. Um, you know, famously, Coltrane did a few of my favorite things. Like, mm. I mean, they I would love borrow that track too. Yeah, they would borrow. Yeah, that's a great one. The last time that I was in a jazz club, and I hadn't thought about it until we were sitting here talking about this. Is that a thing that you did, like in high school, like when like some some kids were in like a Dungeons and Dragons club, some kids would sit at the jazz club. Oh, jazz club. Yeah, like where you go no, see it was jazz. not a school jazz club. I was actually in a jazz yeah, the officially not sanctioned a glee club. High school jazz club. No, no, but but uh, but we were but uh, the misses and I were in a in a jazz room, and it's like the band would go on at I don't know what like nine, and we got there. Are you I talking about to, Elephant Room? No, this was in Fort Worth. Okay, and so uh, so I'm sitting in there, and we got there a little bit early just to make sure that we could sit where we wanted to. And uh, right before the act comes on, the lights go down, and she goes, whoa, it just got sexy in here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of what I feel like jazz rooms are like. <laughs> like well, and that's, and that was kind of my point earlier when, like, the only time of my own volition I'd probably listen to this again is, like, if I'm on a date, and, like, you know, like, that that is appropriate. I mean, that makes sure. sense. The, the way I started, I mean, my my, my favorite kind of... I really love bossa nova, which is attached to jazz in some ways. There are elements of jazz in it, and it's it's might be my favorite bossa nova genre is, is of music. What, what Brazilian, Brazilian, yeah, yeah. like sixties especially, but there's later stuff too. But I really started getting into that stuff going to dinner. Girl parties. from Ipanema is that bossa nova? Yeah, that's like the bossa. Nova that's song. the bossa. Nova. That's the yeah. take five of bossa nova. It's you the only know one bossa nova song. Yeah, that one in Desenfonado, which yeah, girl from Ipanema is on on Getz, Stan Getz, who came out of the the California West Coast cool jazz scene, which is the same scene as what we've been talking about today. Did that album with. Joao Gilberto and like they actually and like they actually never mind we could go I could go off all day about Shane's this stuff. Shane's geeking out. It's my favorite yeah. album, but it's, they it's kind but, of adorable. But <laughs> I, I I started loving this music by by um, going to I went to a couple dinner parties and it was on in the background and then I was like this music is amazing and then that just became like seduction music after that or so I would have dinner parties where people would come over like a girl would come over and those that was like my go-to music so I mean I get what you're saying completely yeah no I mean I, that's that's the only way I can I mean that's the only way I can think of it but I think um, if, you, if, if you I mean I'm never, I'm never gonna like go like oh fuck yeah this song I don't know man other than you, take five you might be you might be surprised like you have it you have maybe a, on repeated have, have a few too many have a few nights where that's on in the background and and you're in your brain and you have and good, suddenly it like and you clicks. have well no but you have really good memories associated with it and then yeah. and then it, and then it starts clicking well this music is a sort of I, I really do think jazz in particular is 
a, it's a music that takes up a, 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 for a lot of people for me it did especially it's something I love now but a fair amount of, of listening like to, to work over and over to, again to not necessarily work like I mean but yeah but your brain had to work at it you know it's not like you know the first time I ever heard this charming man ah uh, that's what I wanted to hear you know forever but like there's some jazz stuff that or just as a genre in general bebop especially like it took all of a sudden it's very insidious and you're like well, okay, oh okay, okay I get that mm-hmm. well to me you know like I've read The Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner and like that is a difficult book but it's good you know I'd probably like it more if I read it again but it was work uh, yeah, I mean and that makes jazz is kind of that way for me. That's what Coltrane's like for me. You know, but we we talk about jazz for a, a long time. But today, let's go, let's go to an an intermission. So uh, why don't you play some intermission music? <laughs> All right. So um, this week I have a few minutes with. And um, we've been, you know, swimming in the in the sexy hot tub of uh, of were there hot uh, tubs in 1959? Yeah, probably. I like to imagine like there were like those big ones with like the wooden uh, slats around. They, around they them, were clawfoot hot. Tubs. I do. I did find out once. <laughs> yeah, clawfoot <laughs> hot tubs. Yeah, I do know that that jacuzzi was actually a person. So anyway, go ahead. Oh, and bonus educational. So um, I was. So I also wanted to play a little something else. That was super sexy. And so I chose uh, to share um, Liam Lynch's United States of Whatever. Oh, man, I was going to pick that one of these days, and I love this song. I did, too. I have fucking completely forgotten about this Yeah, if you want to seduce a woman, here you go. Yeah, exactly. Because the ladies love the United States of Whatever. I got a a mixed CD one time. Well, we'll watch the video, and I'll tell you about this. But needless to say... There were many, many nights of me driving around with people, with girls that Derek and I met in various cities, and, and we would just play in the CD, would, and we would forget that the song was on the CD that we were playing. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Whatever. I went down to the beach and saw Kiki. She was all like, eh, and I'm like, whatever. This chick comes up to me and she's all like, hey, aren't you that dude? I'm like, yeah, whatever. So later, I'm, I'm at the pool hall and this girl comes up and she's all like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Because this is my United States of whatever. And this is my United States of whatever. And this is my United States of And then it's 3 a.m. I'm on the corner wearing my leather. This dude comes up and he's like, hey, punk. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> then I'm throwing dice in the alley. Officer Leroy comes up and he's like, hey, I thought I told you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Special times. God Special damn, times. I love that pull, song. Pull somebody I, you love close to you. And, like, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. Put a roaring fire <laughs> in the fireplace. Yeah. Bearskin rug. Yeah. Tur- turn down. Yeah. Put the needle like the old. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that no, is ro- I, that's I romance that personified. I love that song, and that that video is as ridiculous as the song is. Like, well, wasn't he responsible part of partially responsible for Syphil and Ollie? He was the he was. he was the main driving force behind Syphil and Ollie, which which I is also just love. pure absurdity. Oh, it's so great! Brilliant! It's so great! 
Yeah. I hadn't thought about Cifalinale or... For, for those who don't know, Kevin, you're probably the biggest Cifalinale aficionado. Can you explain what yeah, that so was? Yeah, C- Cifalinale was a show that ran on MTV in the 1990s. Early 90s. Or, um, no, no, no. Mid-90s. Mid-90s. Through the late so, 90s. And MTV owns a lot of that footage, and so it's like... He does a, I think Liam Lynch apparently does a podcast now, and some of those characters make an appearance on that. But in t- but other, but other than that, like there's a lot of really great. But stuff what was what was the premise of Cifalinali? They were they were a couple of sock puppets, and like really rudimentary sock like puppets. Super yeah, super like like just rolled out of bed. And like they wish they had been lamb and, chop. Yeah yeah no, they were not nearly that sophisticated, but um. And there was this really kind of crude show structure, and they would do like rock facts, and the rock facts were always shit that was completely made up and not true, and uh, and they would have other like tertiary characters that would come into that show. Anyway, it was it was bizarre and really funny, uh, and uh, and you know I'm sure that after a while it just played itself out. But when this song came out in 2003. Um, you know, it had been a few years since that show had been since Cifla and Ollie had been on the air, and that and that this record or this this track is uh, it feels like it's definitely cut from the same cloth. Certainly. Oh, yeah. I've seen I've seen Cifla and Ollie doing this song. I've seen a video of it. Sure. The first time I ever saw it. Oh, that's like, interesting. I mean, it makes sense. Like there was some clip like years ago. Yeah, I haven't even thought of the song in easily 10 years or more and um well it's one that you need bring, to listen to a smile to your face you need to listen to it once every like five years or so i think i think one thing that we really haven't talked about is um the intricate subtext of this song and you know what it means oh well it's clearly um i think it's a pay on to the disaffected gen x youth that were the primary well, it's mostly about a rejection of uh, the Judeo-Christian uh, ethic, the predominant that in, was predominant uh, society. into mid to late nineties through the Gen X ethos. Actually, this is true. Uh, this is something that's everything we just said was true. By the way, oh, okay, I don't, I, you can't yeah. believe you're discounting that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, my bad. So uh, this charted in in the UK. It uh, it made the top, the top ten singles chart and up until 2007 was the shortest song i was gonna to say god damn this song is like it's like, it's a, like two minutes a minute no it's less than that it's yeah. like a minute and a half yeah yeah and it and it feels like it, i genuinely it do like, like it yeah like both lyrically and musically uh i mean there's not a ton going on there but uh it's a fucking good song it's a good song and it's highly amusing at the same time. Yeah, I, I like so. it as much as I like Take Five, and it might be you the what? That is the stupidest thing <laughs> that has come out of your fucking. That's head okay. This you're allowed. To, you're allowed to think that. I get as much enjoyment from a different part of my brain, uh, but I like it as much as I like that. Well, you can say, but you just can't say it's as good as Take Five. I'm not saying musically it's as good as. I'm saying I like it as much as. It gives me as much enjoyment as. Take five. I say take five is a much more sophisticated, probably world changing. It's a different kind of player. I mean, you can get a you can get a good kind of enjoyment from like taking LSD, and you can get a good kind of enjoyment from drinking Woodford Reserve. And though I guess those are from two different parts of your brains. And sure, so I guess yeah, I might I, I might have a really good trip, or I might just like might, have I a guess, nice mellow I'll, bourbon buzz. I'll just compare it to that. Okay, that makes it easier for me to deal with. Well, whatever. Let's go back to the show, Mark.
so um I guess to recap, I guess what we're gonna what I'm gonna take have the takeaway from this is um I think I did right by picking this album for Ryan Newsom. Because you, we've you're definitely right about we that. We have been friends now for over twenty years and we like to stay up, or have in the past at least, like to stay up really late together and drink copious amounts of alcohol and discuss music. And this one's always been off topic. <laughs> I never get very far before. With me and Jess. With that, you and Jess. That's true. And so I tried to think, I was thinking, well, if I could pick one album, because I, I feel like it's it's sorely neglected. In, uh, our, in our greater in canon. Our, in uh, our canon, Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Well, at least he won't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. And like I said at the top of the show, doesn't suck. Totally doesn't suck. Totally doesn't. Which I and, and it categorically doesn't suck. I mean, like, it's it's probably brilliant. I just, my brain's not programmed that way. So the guy who um, wrote about this record for Sputnik Music had some interesting things to say. Um, notably, he said... He considers Time Out a perfect example of jazz. He said it, this def- it defies tradition. It pushes the boundaries of what we can do with music. And yet in the end, it, sh- it still shows four guys having fun together like all jazz, like all music should. And then this is what I really kind of took away from this little segment. He said, I can't tell whether I'm happy or not that this still sounds f- so fresh. And he said, on one hand, it's fresh because it's still revolutionary. 4-4 is still the standard. It's still what musicians turn to when writing a song. But on the other hand, Time Out is fresh because behind the revolution, it's still good. He said, the band explores the new boundaries that it set for itself, but shows everyone that they're still new to them, too. And that makes for a great listening experience, according to this guy. Well, jazz is a really interesting thing. Like, the stuff that's, that you know, starting... It's a music that 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 is so... It's almost obs- okay. In contrast to country music, it's obsessed with reinventing itself, or the fact that it's not reinventing itself. That whenever they, it seems to me, it's somebody that listens to a fair amount of jazz. Um, granted, between a period of time, um, that they seem so obsessed with, with moving the music forward and making it fresh that they take all of the enjoyment out of it. And uh, every so often something like that happens. Whereas rather than, it, you know, I guess because it was a forward-thinking music for a long time, you, I don't. there's nothing to be said. Uh, you, you, can, uh, you can have tradition and still be forward-thinking, i.e. Sturgill Simpson, when you compare it to country music, which just completely adheres toward tradition and doesn't move itself forward at all. I think jazz... Well, it... it Yes, no. Like uh, lyrically, Sturgill Simpson is like reinventing the wheel in country music. Well, uh, but, but but sonically, it's traditional. But that's what I'm saying. I, uh, the individual players can move. <coughs> pardon me. Individual play. I see, you see. You'll see revolutionary players come on the scene that will sort of set it jazz on its head in a different way, rather than trying to just completely reinvent the wheel. Which is every time to me when that s- shit seems to happen, it's just stuff that I don't. Well, okay. To. If you want to compare it to something like, um, like EDM, like EDM always seems, and even like to some extent, like metal, like it's like, oh, get more faster, sound more uh, evil. And explain or what EDM is for the electronic, electronic dance, dance music. Yeah, electronic right. dance music, and they're you know, like always trying to just be more out there and. To me, le- less accessible. It, um, well, EDM does go in 
I agree with you, but um, they're just trying to one up each other all the time, and it's not like it's not a race, dude. Think, just put I, out good music. I think if you look through the whole split, I mean, EDM splits into a myriad, thousands and thousands of subgenres, in, in that, you know, it's incredible to me. Sometimes it's just the stuff that that gets pushed to the, por- the forefront. I'm not even surprised anymore when there's a whole genre of music I've never heard of, like. Oh. Well, get ready because pretty soon we're going to listen to chip tune and it's 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 I've is that a genre or a person it's, or what? it's like a it's a style of music that i've been wanting to bring for on the show for one of my few minutes with segments um it's techno all made out of music that was from like 8-bit nintendo um oh. but it's but it's techno <laughs> it's, i'm not sure what to think about that it's it's very that, that it's, sounds like it might be better than most edm it, no and yes, <laughs> but anyway. So listen. So let's let's wrap this up. Let's take this full circle. Um, I said I wanted to listen to Strange Metal Art because of the because um, it sounds like Mr. Rogers' music to me. But I really think I want to listen to Kathy's Waltz, which has um, got some crazy crazy drumming on it. But I really want to fill in again. Mark and Mark and us, we and Mark were listening to this before the show started. And, um, it really shows off how incredibly talented this band is where they're like doing like four different things at once but still interlinking at the same time but in a way where it's not like very distinct players but they're still a cohesive incredibly cohesive unit yes i'm glad that you finally got to that word because that's where i thought you were going the whole time there but yeah you finally landed it you piloted that plane whiskey oh yeah was it okay good all right so mark can we listen to kathy's waltz and we'll come back and we'll wrap this up song like he he was having the outward response that i was having on the inside just he's just like slowly shaking his head <laughs> like with a blank look in his eyes like what the f- how the fuck are they doing this like and still not making it sound like insane like it's incredibly listenable well, Mark had, like a warm glow but like uh, like how do they do this yeah like how are they doing? Yeah, like, the more that you unpack, the more. How, that how many more times can we there. imitate you? Like, Chris, no, no, no. What he really was doing was, I'm sorry, what you're saying? I was just saying that the more that you unpack in that song, like the 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 layers that we continued to peel back as we were listening to it, it was like, you know, it's that's what's really remarkable. I think about this record is that like there's so much of that that actually comes across as eminently listenable, but when you dig into it, it's pretty complicated. Well, and that's is it. That's minor key, right? 
I mean, it's been 20 years since I played an instrument, so I mean, my ears aren't quite as tuned to it. But like, I think there's, that's there's mostly minors in there, but um, I don't know that it's in, in a minor key. I'll be interested. Mar- can you? No, oh, I guess it's the end of the show. You don't have to do that. Um, I'm not. I mean, anyhow, there there are things, there are elements to it that are that are somewhat dissonant, but they're not off-putting. Yeah, that was one of the songs, and I said at the beginning, like, I didn't love this album as much as, as I thought I was going to. This is one of the songs that makes me, like, completely rethink that. There's just a few songs on here that it, it gets a little bit into uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood territory for me. But then w- once you really start going back and thinking about, like, the players, like, how good those players were together and, like, how locked up and how in sync they were. And I'm not talking about the in sync that we're all familiar with. The boy band, the boy band, Justin Timberlake. I would, I, they're just like that. Well, yeah, yeah, I think actually that's why they. That's I mean, their like name this whole this whole band was recruited by a Svengali, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking the reason why that the name of of In Sync they took they they basically they took it from their love of the Dave oh, Brubeck Quartet. Brubeck. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, thanks guys for listening. Ryan, what do you have for this this week? Okay, so uh, I have professed my love in the past for um, many things. That is true. Um, but for another podcast that are you know, like show nationally syndicated show, and um, that of course Oprah. Oh wait, that's not Oprah. It's gone anyway. Uh, Sound opinions, and they went to South by Southwest and did the legwork that I didn't have the energy or time to do this year, and so I listened to their uh, you know roundup of it, um, and there was a song that I liked quite a bit by a band called Sunflower Bean. Uh, Wall Watcher. Did you listen to that show too? No, but I was gonna text you about this band the other day. Saying, no, I loved it. Dis- disregard the band name. Listen to this band. They're great. I'm no, and I, I added it to one this. of my like I I typically have an, like a, a new playlist I'm putting together at, on Spotify at any given time, and it's it's landed on there, and I dug it. But yeah, Wall Watcher by Sunflower Bean. All right, let's listen to it. To Dave Brubeck, yeah, in many regards, yeah, uh, no, ac- but actually pretty similar to Metric, if we're being honest. Uh, I, and I, I don't, I don't really hear it that. Well, that, I hear Emily much. Haynes in yeah. her voice. Uh, I guess a little bit. Yeah, um, that band sounds like, um, and I like them. Um, I hadn't heard that song yet, but I heard a couple other songs, and again, I wanted to 
Tell him be like, just don't listen to the name because that, well, kind of the name, name is pretty ridiculous. Well, no, yeah. you think it's gonna be a jam band. I mean, come on, anything with the sunflower uh, in it, yeah. you assume it's good, there's gonna be folk sunflower beans, sunflower. Yeah. But but uh, let me tell you, like that song to bring a hacky sack, it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that song uh, made me um, just reminded me of so much of South by Southwest. Those are those are the bands you go see at South. That's that's there's a South by Southwest band sound and yeah that band had that sound it does have a sweet that yeah that, it, that sort of sweet, sweet spot, spot. Totally. Yeah. yeah well yeah. and south by has been criticized for ignoring certain genres well they've gotten away from that i'm just saying for those of us oh, that have been going over the years and especially the but three that is four the, of us, that is the kind of band that you seek that's out the kind of band that we go see a lot or, you know if you're, if you're really committed to going to south by and you go listen to like little clips you know off the website or something you're like oh yeah that one yeah, yeah that would definitely be one yeah that would be one of those can i can i just say one other thing too that girl really needs to get a new makeup artist, man. Who the, uh, the yeah. one that she's got working oh, yeah, for right now? Oh yeah, all over the place. Just, yeah. I think she's blind. She like, seemed unaware of like how badly it was going. She did too. seem unaware. Like, yeah. Well, the thing was is that she was really concentrating on the mirror that she was shooting the paintballs into. Um, but very, but, yeah. very linear narrative uh, uh, video. I'll say so. Yeah, big. I was just looking at her big brown Winona Ryder doe eyes, like. Yeah, Shane was smitten. Um, she was. She's a foxy lady. She was foxy. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that one to bear, Brad. Uh, I have my moments. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have next week? You do have next week. Ooh, crap! Wrong way to stick the landing. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I've and I've I've got like uh, I've had a bunch of. This is not the first time this has happened. Uh, no, it, it's not. You know what I want to pick? <laughs> Mark, Mark's laughing right now. Why do you want to pick, that Ryan? Was, that was such a dad kind of... <laughs> yeah. What, what do you want to pick, Ryan? I want to pick a Sloan record, because I've never heard all of one. Oh, yeah. No, I'm in the same boat as you. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, me yeah. too. Like I, I like what I've heard and by the them, the song though. that I've got on this here uh, playlist is Deeper Than Beauty. I'm not sure what actually album it's on but <laughs> um i know I, <laughs> let's just i know that if i were in fifth grade i'd be chastised for not being prepared uh, but i'm not well. in fifth grade and i'm not getting paid for this so <laughs> fuck you all <laughs> um, that took all a right, turn so, twice um, removed i guess yeah. ryan was it called twice removed twice removed okay. twice removed by sloan and that, they're a band that i've always kind of wanted to check out and i've seen them live actually uh and i enjoyed it sloan it's the alternative yes Okay. Wait, what? And seeing them dead? Yeah. Oh. I, anyway. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that was fun. So next week we'll do Sloan. Twice, twice removed. removed. Yeah. <laughs> twice removed from my memory. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that'll be fun. But until then, uh, I remain Kevin. Still Ryan. Shane. And I'm still Mark. This is Somebody Likes It.